Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's time for the Inside EMS Podcast. I am so excited. And if you could see me, this is what my excited face looks like. And today's Inside EMS Podcast is sponsored by FirstNet, built with AT&T. FirstNet uses the latest technology to keep your lines of communication and data open to help you respond faster, smarter, and safer. Here's a man that I will say is maybe safer, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm 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 actually been productive the last couple of days. Uh, we've got the second uh, second volume of Perspectives coming out next week. I just sent off the the final chapter for final edits. Um, and did I you get my? Take did a, you get you get my chapter? Did you get my chapter? Yeah, the yours was the one with on uh, with Crayola on on a spiral right. notebook paper. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, the one on the paper. To decipher it. Mine's on the paper towel, so I didn't write it on paper. So. <laughs> yeah. If you get it, so well, that's good, man. Number two, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's uh, we're we're probably going to have a number three. This one, the la- first two were a couple of are are, are a bit dark. So I, I'm thinking about a number three to to cap off the series, a uh, chicken soup for the responder soul, that sort of thing. You know. <laughs> so how's that? How's the sales going for everybody that don't know? Kelly Grayson and his peers wrote a book called Perspectives, and basically it's the same EMS call as seen by a paramedic or an EMS professional, a nurse in the ER, as well as a police officer. But how was the first book doing? Good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, sales are steady. Um, you know, EMS itself is just a small niche. So uh, we plan to start promoting it a little bit more on podcasts and uh, at conferences uh, coming up in the late summer and fall. But uh, we we see a uh, we see steady sales and a, and a bump every time I I advertise. Uh, the, nice. the reviews have been uniformly uh, superlative, and that's great. These guys uh, that uh, it made it worth herding all the cats to get all these authors in line and, and doing the structural editing to make these stories fit together. But uh, these guys cool. for for not professional authors did did a, a, a superb job. Very nice. And for those, I wrote the review a review as well. Of course, it was on crayon and paper towel, so I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> but uh, And all proceeds of that book go to uh, Helping Kids, believe it or not, Kelly Grayson. So um, please uh, contribute to his retirement. But Kelly, I think we got a great show today. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're starting to talk about, think about is all this communication that we're having to do and you know, working in the community paramedicine program, uh, as we've talked about in the past couple of shows. Um, I was actually with someone uh, in um, at MedTrust in Charleston, South Carolina, who will be part of our program, and they were touting their uh, iPods um, built with FirstNet to ensure that their data <laughs> well, and wait their a minute, communication. iPods? Dude, I say you just iPod? dated your, yeah, you just dated yourself. <laughs> iPad, you I, I still got these an days iPod. With your hula hoops and an your Davy Crockett hats. Right. But uh, <laughs> today, we are so excited because we have a great guest. And he actually is coming to us from FirstNet, Paul Patrick. He is the former state Utah EMS director. He's a FirstNet board member. And when it comes to really thinking about our lines of communication and being able to access our data, he's the guy that knows it all. And Paul, I want to welcome you to the Inside EMS podcast. And I got to tell you, we got a lot of questions for you. Thank you. Um, I, do I, maybe I need to go get my crayons so I can write notes. 
<laughs> That's right. You know, or we can just go to dry erase markers, whatever we got. I mean, so we don't yeah. need to be fancy here. But, you know, I mean, you kind of heard, Paul, I mean, when you think about this from a communication standpoint, one of the big challenges that we have in EMS is really ensuring that we can access communication as we need. And really our data now, because everything is on tablet, everything is electronic. And when that goes down, we have no ability to get our call data. We've got no ability to get our, um, you know, our communication or our, uh, you know, calls sent to us. And before we started, I kind of mentioned to you that even during my um, time as an EMS chief in 2014, uh, Ferguson, Missouri was uh, something that I had responsibility for. We had challenges with interoperability. And it would think, and you would think that after 9-11, that interoperability in 2014 would have been a little bit different. So I guess my first question to you is, over the decades, how has communication and data uh, retrieval, how has that changed and how important is it to our daily business? Well, it's extremely important, Chris, and so vital that I don't think those of us that were here from the beginning of uh, conceptually thinking at FirstNet realized how important the data really was, nor did we actually contemplate how far we have come from that time to where we're able to collect the data, have data, you know, data gathering points, get all the information that you need from for a call, be able to save it, be able to have it readily available. And FirstNet is the absolute perfect medium to do that for us. It's a great data network, which collects that data and helps the responders know what's going on. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, we used to say, wouldn't it be great to know what we were going on on a call? Well, I mean, I, I was there, I, you know, from 1978, <laughs> I was paged and responding. Wouldn't it be great to know what was there, know where we were going, know what was going to happen? Oh, that'll never happen in our lifetime, but yet it's happening now. And it's amazing that uh, we're able to do that. And the first responder, the EMS personnel that are out there that are responding, the firefighters that are responding are getting that. And it's available and it can be on their uh, mobile device, on their iPad. I don't think we've done anything with iPods, though. I really don't. I can check, but I yeah. don't think we have. But on the iPads or whatever device we're using. But it's amazing how far we've come. Uh, you know, Paul, the, the, talking about data, I think so many of us uh, uh, individual responders focus so much on on cellular connectivity, and and uh, those of us who have FirstNet are, are satisfied with the cellular connectivity and and always having a signal. Um, but we we lose sight of the fact that how much uh, the the data. Uh, capability and and the internet tethering and, and so on and so forth make all of our technology possible. Uh, I know that my agency uses FirstNet, and uh, I couldn't get a I couldn't do a uh, a um, uh, FaceTime with a physician or do our our treatment in place stuff without that signal. And it's about the only one that I've encountered with uh, with pretty much universal connectivity. So. What has been the what has been one of the the obstacles that you guys at FirstNet faced in in setting up this network and 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 having it so uh, um, extensive? Um, the term ruthless priority and preemption. <laughs> I think if you think of that, you think what? Who thought of that? Well, I know who thought of it because I was in the room when we were discussing that. Um, 
couple of us are still alive. Unfortunately, a few of them have passed on, but there were there were some of us that were together as we were originally contemplating where are we going with this network and and you know that we're going to ask for this was before the bid and we thought we need first responders need that for an MCI incident we need to have priority and preemption what it is well let's look it up and see but what it is it means that if we need to we'll kick everybody off and we'll just be able to talk but that's what AT&T did when they stepped up to the plate, when they opened up their entire network, and when they've expanded band 14, as it's expanding now to like, I mean, we're what, 95% coverage completion now? And that's amazing in that short time period. And yeah. it's, that, it's that priority and preemption that does it. That's what gives you, when you need it, when you've got the incident, that's what gives you the data. And we don't ever throttle or take a our first responders and slow them down. We just escalate them and move them forward and allow you to do that. But I think digging right to the bottom, what that means is that you will always have, I mean, obviously with a wireless system, you're going to have, there'll be glitches, but mm-hmm. we have the only network that gives you true priority and preemption over anybody else. So in that time of need, whatever it is, you're going to be able to talk and your data is going to get through and I think that's the key. We oftentimes don't think about it, but that's really the key. Yeah. And I had to, to follow up, but, you know, I experienced that personally post-Hurricane Laura um, when, you know, most of my coverage area was was devastated and cellular towers down and whatnot. And, and I'll, I won't say the names of, of your competitors, uh, AT&T's competitors that set up mobile towers in our town. Uh, and, and I have service uh, with one of them. And it was still spotty. Uh, but the one thing that didn't uh, ever waver was uh, was Acadian's um, uh, connectivity. We didn't have a problem uh, communicating and and uh, and and getting a data and and voice connection uh, through FirstNet. It was uh, stood up well. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that uh, I just want to add on to that before you get a little retort there is um, it's a sense of frustration for the people that have to do the work, right? So they're in their field and they're trying to connect and then all of a sudden they got nothing where they need to get a hand on something. It's good to know that something's reliable, but I didn't mean to cut off your response, Paul. No, I was just going to agree with you and say, I can remember responding on a call where I memorize, I mean, rural Utah, I mean, I live in rural Utah and we have places that had no coverage and we had to say, okay, I drive from point A to point B. If I stop here, I know I've got coverage so I can get on my radio and call to the hospital and go from there or get directions. And from there to there, there's nothing in between. And I've lived that. And I know how frustrating it is. I know how frustrating it is to be holding a patient in my arms on a mountaintop and not be able to communicate. And unfortunately, a person never made it. Yet today, that would never happen. Yeah. And And that's that's so awesome. Yeah, so let me ask you this. I mean, because you've been doing this since the beginning. And when we talk about this from history of really, uh, you know, trying to uh, have good connectivity, what do you think is the biggest aha moment for you? Or what do you think is the biggest lesson? Um, Because you, I mean, you're an EMS guy, right? Then all of a sudden now you're now going to work on getting us the reliable communication that we need in the field to do our job. You just talked about being on a mountain and somebody dying because you couldn't communicate. But, I mean, what's the biggest lesson that you think you've learned that has allowed this to be as successful as it was? Or is? 
yeah, yeah, not what it is. Actually, it is. And, and what has happened and the lessons I have learned is that we need to dream. We need to put out what we want. You talk about data. What data do you need? You know a hospital, an ER doc is never going to sit there and watch an ambulance call from when you load the patient in the gurney till two hours later you're at the hospital. But they want to maybe take a snapshot or a look at that patient. So the aha moment to me was, you know, we trust you. We trust your skill level. We know you can intubate. We know you can give drugs. We know you know what's going on. But we just want to be able to chat, let you know what is and maybe if your area requires certain things, we'll do that and we'll cover all the bases medical legally for you, so we're fine. Yet the aha to me was, it works. What we visioned happened is happening and it's happening more and more. And as that happens, people just learn. I know we, we I shared a real quick story with you, Chris, as we were just chatting uh, before we came online here. But on um, January 6th, the incident that happened at the White House. Uh, a colleague of mine at FirstNet had to go respond with for a, another colleague and be on a debrief with them. He was scared to death because he thought, oh, no, they're going to beat me up. Yeah, you just don't want to call. So he goes into that call, and all he did, all he did not did, that sounds like crayons, all he was able to do was <laughs> have them tell him, you know, we just got to say one thing to you at first net when everything hit the fan on January 6th in Washington, DC, you were the only network that we had. You worked. And this was the DC area. You worked. We were able to communicate. We were able to talk to each other. First network. And to well, me, that was a. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's good to know that something in DC works, right? So let's go ahead and pause paul we're going to take our mid-show break and uh, kelly's going to go ahead and read the break so kelly let's go ahead and uh do that read let's do that everyone in ems deserves a reliable communication network like FirstNet, built with at&t your fellow public safety professionals at more than 19,500 agencies nationwide rely on FirstNet to make sure they have the connectivity and data they need to care for patients. And FirstNet is now offering increased coverage in rural and tribal areas. So whether you're looking for an individual plan or an agency-wide solution, you can join FirstNet and check out their limited-time special offers at FirstNet.com. All right, so back. And, uh, you know, Paul, I mean, you heard the message there, so... And we've been talking about FirstNet, but there's a lot of responders. There's a lot of people who sit in the ambulance that may be saying, what the heck is FirstNet? Can you really just kind of talk about what it is and how it came about and where is it? Where has it gotten to today? Uh, I, not only would I, but I'm very honored to do so. FirstNet is truly the only public safety broadband network. It is owned by us. We are public safety police, fire, EMS, emergency management, and, and all the other uh, users of the system. We are the network. We own it. AT&T is our partner, but we are actually a, a separate from AT&T. We're our own wireless network. And as the authority for FirstNet, we decide what we're going to do, how we're going to expand the network and what we want. And our partner, who is excellent, AT&T, has stepped up to the plate and provides that for us. So when you say, how much money do the shareholders make? Nothing. 
What happens mm. to all the profits? It goes back into the system to do what? Build towers, invest. What do you want it to? Let me know as a board member. Let me know. What do we need to do to reinvest in our network? So if since it's our network, it's really built by the concepts and thoughts of public safety. So we had police, we had fire, we had EMS. I was EMS along with a few others. We had um, sheriff's office. Everyone got together and said, this is what we need. And we were able to come together and form a network for us as first responders. So whenever I'm talking, I'll just have everybody out there in the field raise your hand and say, raise your hand if you're a first responder. And they'll raise their hand. I said, first net is your network. So we can build it how you want. We can do what you want. We can tweak it how you want, but it's your network. It's my network, it's our network. Uh, and it is built for public safety. And that's the unique difference. That's what's different about it than anything else because it's not built to make money for uh, stockholders of FirstNet. Well, since we've got you on the podcast and I get to talk directly to a FirstNet board member, uh, here's what I want. I want a tower in Pitkin, Louisiana. Okay. <laughs> I, I will note that and I will, <laughs> that I will let them know. We're I'm unlucky Pitkin enough. Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I I have the the singular bad luck of of living smack in the middle of one of your very few uh, um, uncovered areas. But uh, uh, luckily, I work in in the other areas. Um, Paul, you mentioned earlier uh, you made a reference to Band fourteen, and for those of us who are not tech and communications geeks, why don't you expand a little bit on on what Band fourteen is and how it drives uh, uh, FirstNet's functionality. One of the things that came with the um, uh, when the auction happened and when we, I don't want to get into too technical details here, but there was a band 14, which is in the cellular band that was given to FirstNet to be able to say, this is where you can be as public safety. This is where your data can live and no one will interfere with you as you move forward. So uh, we thought, okay, will uh, Samsung, will I, I will Apple, will everybody put band 14 in their devices because they need that in there. And it's been amazing how they all have accepted it. They've all put it into their devices. And as we've developed more, so what band 14 does is it gives you that true priority and preemption that we talked about on a separate band that nobody else has that you can then transfer your data back and forth and do the things that you need to do. So it's a, it's a spectrum band. Uh, that is in your device that is set aside for public safety for us only and no one else can have it. Although true, if no one's using it, it can be used or authorized by others. But if we need it, if just nanoseconds, they'll be kicked off and we'll have it for us. So is that, I hope that wasn't too technical for you. I get my crayons. If we were visual, I could draw you a little graph. That's <laughs> Yes. No, it's a, I've, I've been impressed with the uh, with the the speed of it um, uh, in using it on our our, our company devices, and uh, it's it's great. Um, good explanation. So when we think about this from the standpoint of equipment, and we think about this from a, a standpoint of um, communication, I mean, how do we get involved with um, you know with FirstNet if where agencies want to switch? to uh, something that they're able to uh, utilize uh, differently from what they have now. Um, how, how, who do they contact? How does that work? Well, um, there are 
FirstNet has grown and we are, you know, you can contact um, the authority or you can go to any AT&T store because they're our partnering number. And AT&T has their own network that is not FirstNet, but they do, they do partner with us as we do that. And we can have people present, we can send information. We have a website that you can go to firstnet.gov and you can look up on the website and find out information about us. And you can sign up for everything from uh, being able to, and I'm not getting into a sales pitch here because I get, like I said, we don't, we, don't have, we don't have ownership. We don't make profits from this, but you can uh, get your user device. You can get there. It's interesting, Chris, there are three point, over 3.3 million connections right now for FirstNet. We just celebrated our 10th, 10th anniversary since the legislation to create it. We did not imagine we'd have 3.3 million plus connections yeah. or 20,000, there's 20,500 public safety agencies or organizations that subscribe and we have a 95% coverage. I just got back uh, recently, a few weeks ago from Alaska and it was, it, that's one of the hard areas because Alaska's tough, yet we're expanding up there. We're working to get coverage that they need and that's a real good podcast sometime if you ever want to talk about how you can be out in the middle of upper Alaska and have a crime and then arrest somebody and have them just sit there and wait for weeks till the police get there. That's, that would be a fun story for you. But it's amazing how we're doing that. And the key to it is that when the legislation passed, they said, this has to support rural America. That was built into it has to be for rural America. It has to be for our first responders. It has to be so that what happened during 9-11, when they tried to tell the firefighters to get out and they couldn't communicate, will never happen again. So 10 years might seem like a long time period, but oh my gosh, what a short condensed time period for us to be there. And then heavens, we get hit with a pandemic in the middle of that. We've got you know, disasters going on all over the place. And, and we're just continuing to do things like developing mega range, which is a higher powered user equipment and, and rapid, uh, compact rapid deployables that, that we have out there where you can set up your own site. You can have it in, uh, was it Pittman that you wanted it, right? Pitkin, so, yeah. Pitman, yeah. Yeah. Pitkin. So, so <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we have a new one that, you know, we have some other things we're going to be announcing soon that, that will be so easy for you to be able to get that coverage for you at very reasonable cost. And that's the other thing that no one ever thought. They thought, oh, yeah. we want all this stuff. The cost of this thing is going to be thousands of dollars a month. Nobody will ever afford to buy it, but yet it's competitively priced and it works very well. So uh, my real goal now is to get this into uh, Indian country. And I, I, you know, I have a, heritage of Native American. My great-great-grandmother was a full-blooded Cherokee, and uh, you can't tell that by my white hair, but my hair used to be jet black, and that's a trait of the Cherokee Nation. <laughs> and also, uh, and it was curly, which is another trait there. I wanted to get into Indian country, and I want to be able to have the opportunity to just listen to the wonderful use cases that keep happening about those who use our network, because it does belong to public safety. You know, one of the things that I just want to jump in here, Paul, that a lot of people don't know is you talked about when this happened 10 years ago, they were actually talking about selling this block off. And then it wasn't until there was an uproar that they said, well, let's go ahead and reserve it for first responders. 
and those eight, we, we may not have even had this if it wasn't, you know, if the greed of uh, corporate America would have had their way, they would have auctioned this off to the highest bidder. Yeah, I don't really know that that if this were if it were right now with the state of the economy, with our country the way it is, it it would be questionable if we could have proceeded like we did, you know, 10, 14 years ago. So I am just so thankful and very humble to be uh, part of the board and to represent EMS. And, uh, you know, we talk about community paramedicine, which is close to my heart. We talk about telehealth. I mean, look what the pandemic did for us with telehealth. Have you, have you gone to see your doctor lately? Do you want to oh. do it in person, even in rural areas? You can just do it over your iPad. I don't think you can do it over your iPod, but you could do it over your iPad. And it would be amazing because I, last time I talked to uh, my doctor, it was just an iPad visit and they built it and they paid it. And uh, even with the MS now, we're looking at alternate destinations for our transport and being paid for it. So, I mean, the, the pandemic really changed how we deal with EMS and for community paramedicine, I applaud you, Chris, and anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Cause that's one of uh, the things that I want to see happen uh, is to get more and more coverage out there with uh, alternate everything. Cause we don't have to unnecessarily transport, especially kids to what we perceived as being pediatric centers. So that's an off topic, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. Well, we want to have you back. Paul, because I think that you have a great wealth of knowledge. And I think we've learned a lot about FirstNet, and we certainly appreciate you being here and promise us you're going to come back. Thank you, I will. And just as a final word from me, uh, where we are now, far outreaches anything that I ever imagined. So thank you. Yeah, and we appreciate you having uh, you coming on the show, Paul. And, and uh, it's... Modern modern life, uh, especially EMS, uh, uh, is all dependent on, on how interconnected we are, and and the devices and the networks to to accomplish that are, are what make it all run. Uh, and I don't think we often appreciate uh, just how how uh, essential that sort of thing is. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Are you happy with FirstNet? What uh, do you wish FirstNet was in your community? Um, do you suffer? Uh, communications obstacles at your agency let us know at the show at ems1.com and for myself and co-host chris Cibolero and our special guest this week paul patrick thanks for tuning in to inside ems we're going to catch y'all next week <laughs>